Okay. Tutorial episode number one of the Tandem Draft. Tommy with Griffin here. Uh, we are going to, in this episode, look at the history of the sport of NASCAR. So I feel like uh, at starting this podcast in 2022, uh, we're missing a lot. Uh, I feel like we should have capitalized and started this in the 40s. Um, however, we weren't alive and the medium didn't exist. So uh, instead, we're just going to catch everybody up and pretend like we've been doing this for 60 plus years. Bingo. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, so we're going to start at the very beginning. We're going to try to condense it as much as we can to only the information that's really needed. Uh, but when we say that, this is still probably going to be a lengthy episode. So bear with us, but you're going to learn a lot of things and stuff. This has pretty much been like a dream of mine. Uh, every project that I ever did in school, I, tr I wanted to be about NASCAR. So uh, we're going to live out some dreams today, and we're just going to do a book report on just one entire sanctioning body. Bingo. Yep, that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, so I guess the place to start, Griffin did the research here. Uh, Griffin uh, headed up, and he's going to be teaching the college course here of NASCAR 101. Poorly. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm going to contribute all the fun things that I just know randomly. Sounds like a plan. Great. All right. So I guess we start at February 21st, 1948. We start about 30 years before. Ooh. We're going back to the straight edge renaissance during Prohibition. I'm in. So, as you know, people thought, you know what? Let's not drink alcohol anymore. Well, some people thought that. However, there were others that thought, I still want to drink alcohol, and I want it to be crazy. Definitely. So then moonshine, which had been around for a while, the demand for that explodes as that is now everybody's only option in terms of uh, alcohol. They cannot go to the general store and get alcohol, get some nice Kentucky bourbon. You're going to have to go up into the hills. Right. So out in Appalachia, it was really popular. Uh, go up into them mountains, and you can get yourself uh, a nice swig, if you will. Okay. All right. So prohibition's around, so you have to go and do illegal things to get your alcohol. Exactly. Okay. So uh, eventually someone else decides, you know what? What if we had alcohol and we taxed the hell out of it? So then we, the government, make a lot of money. Okay. So they did. So there you go. Now we have alcohol. Oh, wait. This is a NASCAR podcast? This yes. is not the history of alcohol. Okay. Uh, uh, so... Uh, they repeal the prohibition. Really, if you think about it, and you think about the clientele of the sport... There's a lot in common. Yeah. So we go ahead and repeal the prohibition. However, uh, while this uh, cuts down on the uh, demand for moonshine, um, it still keeps kicking because with the high taxes on legal alcohol, people aren't taxed on the moonshine, so they can they might save a, a couple bucks by sure. getting uh, getting some moonshine instead. Naturally, the government, wanting your money, decided we don't want any part of you guys making moonshine. We're going to tax all of the legal alcohol, and we're going to shut you down. Okay. Uh, didn't work. Uh, <laughs> Great. At least perfectly. Uh, so what they would do is they would, like, intercept shipments of, like, people, you know, driving or carriaging things around from place to place to sell it. They'd try to intercept uh, the people that are transporting the moonshine so they can dispose of it or keep it for, their, for themselves. Here's the only thing I'm thinking of here. Uh, and you're going to know where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, I've been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption See, 2 I, so lately. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And this sounds like just a 
big old game of Red Dead. Exactly. Yeah. Just with cars, eventually. With cars, yeah. yes. Uh, so uh, Red Dead Redemption happens. Um, okay. So they hire these guys that they call runners. Uh, so at this time, you know, we're in the area of the uh, the era of the automobile. Uh, so they hire these guys that will uh, trick out their cars, you know, pimp my ride, 1930s edition, uh, to evade the government, the tax collectors, the law, etc. Um, so they could transport the moonshine at night uh, to evade the police. Okay. So over time, naturally, uh, they had to make the vehicles faster because the law would have access to faster vehicles themselves, or they had to be able to maneuver corners more, uh, especially driving through the mountains. I was just down in the Smoky Mountains, and my car did some things that it didn't like. Uh, you got to have some specialty vehicles to tackle some hills and mountains at high speeds. Yeah, so, I'd say. Yeah, they did a lot to these vehicles to uh, cut weight because they'd be carrying liquid, which is fairly dense. Uh, <laughs> to carry that barreling down a mountain, you got to be able to corner pretty good, accelerate out of a corner. Your braking has to be ridiculous because there's sharp turns everywhere. You don't know when a you don't know when a cop's going to be around the corner. You got to be able to be ready at all times. Sure. Uh, so there's a lot of innovation that happened to the vehicles at that point. Uh, so the creativity exploded with the so-called runners. Uh, eventually, uh, they got a little bored of just competing with the police uh, with the prize of their freedom on the line. <laughs> they instead decided to begin competing against their fellow runners to see who was the best at escaping each other. So okay, so we're getting somewhere here. We're getting somewhere with like an organized... Uh... Fairly, yes. Yeah, so, Organized contest happening here? Yeah, they, they'd they begin, you know, just, you know, you know, uh, I suppose how people will, you know, illegally street race. That's kind of where we were. You know, they're just seeing, like, I bet my car's faster. Oh, I bet my car's faster. Okay. Uh, this became a spectacle at the time because uh, people, I mean, people were doing anything for entertainment back then. They crashed two trains into each other and just see, you know, oh, what'll that look like? Uh, so they, you know, they, they did whatever they wanted. So people were going crazy. They just want to see these like car go fast. I want to watch. So eventually the fairgrounds would promote competitions against, uh, the runners. Right. So the fairground promoter would say, Hey, come to the fairgrounds. We're going to have these runners that, you know, and they're like their families and people that know them come to see, uh, watch them compete. So just on a very local level, uh, like using like horse racing venues, except, you know, there's not purpose built racetracks, obviously, because right. there's not racing yet, really. Um, so that kind of exploded into the 40s with uh, we have a couple purpose built tracks, either some dirt, very few that are paved, but still that there were some paved. Um, but throughout the fairgrounds, there would be car races now, yeah. um, essentially stock car racing with cars that were bought, you know, off of the lot uh modified a little bit to make them a little faster and then they would compete against each other to see who the best man was are we talking about like little just like quarter mile tracks or were they even measured or so i would assume um i would assume a lot of them would have been like horse racing venues and things like things that would already be at a fairgrounds gotcha um, okay but the paved ones that existed at the time were much smaller like half or quarter mile uh there were no like massive paved track, unless like they were racing at like an airport or something, right. like yeah. <laughs> racing on a, a purpose-built paved something gotcha. that uh, provides a different purpose at the time. Gotcha. Okay, so we're so we're 
inching our way closer here to a uh, yeah. There's a there. Th- so there is a uh, there's an end goal here. Yeah, you can kind of see where we're going. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, a different kind of competition is happening in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, the beach there, the actual sandy beach, is being used for land speed records. Okay. Uh, guys are coming down with their different kinds of vehicles. They want to see how fast they can go. Uh, under a certain distance to see how how fast their car can go. Uh, eventually, this evolved into a track uh, instead of just a straight line. It was a track that combined the the beach itself and the highway next door with really sharp turns at the corner. Mm, so okay. it was about four or so miles long of a oval, a paperclip style racetrack that used half highway, half sandy beach. Okay. So then the combination of these events going on in Daytona and then circle track racing happening in the greater south area in uh, the Streamline Hotel at Daytona Beach. On February 21st, 1948. That is correct. Thank you, Wikipedia. Bill France and other promoters got together to combine forces into one sanctioning body, the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing. I'll be damned. All right, so we've, we've made it. We've made it to the creation of NASCAR uh, it. I mean, just incredible that they put the car at the end of NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a hell. That's a hell of a name. Yeah, really good innovation there. Um, so yeah, so we have an organized system of racing now. Yeah. So the big thing was people uh, drivers were angry because they'd be cheated out of money if they're racing at the fairground. You know, yeah. purses weren't. You know, there, there was there was really not a lot of accountability. It was kind of all a haphazard situation. So organization was key to then guarantee money for the people that are truly at the time putting their lives on the line <laughs> yeah, every time. Quite quite literally. Yes. Right. Um, um yeah. Th- I mean, okay. We made it through the the alcohol and the stealing and the racing illegally mm. and stuff. And now we have an organized system of racing cars against each other that are basically the cars that are on the streets, maybe a little better of an engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a, a few things tinkered with to make them uh, a little quicker, more entertaining to watch, but still they would be bought off of a showroom floor and then brought to the track to compete in yes. some in some fashion. Yes. Also, this this has to be the reason that uh, Daytona is considered the role the world center of racing. Right. Yeah. So, like, this is where, in, in terms of American car racing, um, Daytona really has become the the epicenter. Uh, at least, you know, not concerning open wheel, because, uh, of course, there's the um, argument that could be made for Indianapolis. Yes. Um, but in, in terms of stock car racing, Daytona is where it lives. Love it. Love it. Okay. So we got, we have an organization. So now we have an organization that races a set number of races a year. There's a points fund. The champion at the end of the season gets money, etc. Everybody's excited. However, we're not very sophisticated yet because it's still the 50s. <laughs> um, there's, so there's professional drivers now that make a career out of it, but there's still like moonshine runners that'll come in to race They're local heroes that, uh, raced at the fairgrounds and they right. come in for like right. one NASCAR race that races at their local track. Um, they'd race on street courses. They raced on airport runways, uh, dirt and paved ovals. The runways, that's gotta be fun. Right. Yeah. I like mean, the, you just go. Right. So like Sebring in Florida is still like, yeah. an airport, like that, that looks that looks pretty nuts. Um, and yeah. it, well, it is pretty nuts. Yeah. Uh, so in the early years, we have some notable drivers. So names that um, were very well known at the time. Okay. Red, Red Byron, 
was yep. the 1949 champion. It's the first ever championship uh, awarded by NASCAR. Um, Smokey Eunuch was a mechanic and an innovator. Uh, he is known for putting a number thir- a black number 13 car on the track, uh, which was then um, recreated into Ricky Bobby. So if you've ah. seen the car with the cougar in it, that was inspired by Smokey Eunuch's car. There you go. He was known for many strange innovations in, uh, I wouldn't call it cheating, but it's kind of what it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that's what made your cars go fast is um, being able to outrun them. And if there's a lot of rules, you have to circumvent them. And he was one of the first people to really find a lot of loopholes and gray areas. Right. Yeah. Which, I mean, is still happening today. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Herb Thomas, the 1951 and 1953 champion. Uh, Tim Flock, the 1952 and 55 champion. Uh, he raced with a monkey in the car uh, okay. named Jocko Flacco. Uh, <laughs> no word on if the monkey was ever a relief driver at any point. Um, mm. I don't. Th- I do not believe that Jocko Flacco has ever been credited with a victory. However, you think, yeah, he might have like uh, shifted for him. Or yeah, something. maybe. I mean, moral support. Yeah. When I was anything, a kid. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a kid, I shifted for my dad. Yeah. And when I'm in the car, I break for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have the same size brain as a monkey, anyway. So sure. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. Okay. Uh, and then we have a gentleman by the name of Lee Petty. Uh, the three-time champion, uh, 1954, 58, and 59. Yep, that's the last name you're going to hear again. Yep, yep, and he was the first winner of the Daytona 500. So eventually the uh, the cars kind of outgrew the haphazard nature of the beach and the highway combination on Daytona Beach itself, and Bill France decided, you know what, we're going to build a big old track in Daytona. Uh, and, and when he says a big old track. A ridiculous track, which something that, Nothing of the size um, will ever be built again. It's right. an it, inordinate amount of money that had to be invested of digging and paving and building uh, into what it's evolved into today. But the Daytona International Speedway was built and a two and a half mile paved oval with super high banks. So it was the oval that you could push a car to its absolute limit to find out how fast it could possibly go. Yeah. I mean, the, the backstretch is like a mile and a half long. By its, it's, yeah. the, the size of this place is ridiculous, yeah. especially considering it was built in the 50s. Right. Um, so they hold the first Daytona 500. So I said that Lee Petty was uh, the winner. Uh, he wasn't always the winner of the first ever Daytona 500. Oh, because after that race, they declared Johnny Bochamp the winner uh, on the last lap. Uh, several days later, a newspaper uh, or a photographer took a, uh, submitted a picture uh, that showed Lee Petty was actually leading at the line. So a literal photo finish. Uh, weeks at the later, first yeah. ever Daytona 500. Yep. Love it. The, the, after that photo emerged, they reversed the decision and they gave the 500 to Lee Petty instead. Uh, can you imagine no. going to a race, no, going home, and finding out on Twitter three days later? <laughs> for some reason, yeah. nobody took a picture of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and except it's uh, it's not Twitter. It's basically like yeah, exactly. a mail, yeah. a letter. Yeah. If you don't if you don't pay someone to buy a newspaper, you have somebody. You know, you still yeah. think Johnny Bochamp won. Yeah. If they, if you even know that you know, Johnny I Bochamp thought won. I thought he won until right just now. Quite honestly, there you, you know what? Nobody gave me notice. Here, let me show you the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I just got the Tribune. Tommy, I have some news for you. <laughs> I hope you're sitting down. Guess who won? <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So we got a Daytona 500 uh, under our belt here. 
Um, we're in the 50s. Mm-hmm. We're rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. Lee Petty's dominating everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's got to be some other guys that he's going against, right? So, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was a mix of... So, those drivers that we talked about before, the, yeah. the big thing that would... Uh, this would lead on into the 60s as well. The big thing that would give somebody a championship would be racing every race. Like, nowadays, you have the same guys that race every week. Yep. Then, you'd have a couple that would race every week. Uh, some that would race most of the races, and then a lot of guys that would just you know race like right. one or two a season. So if you raced every race, you had a really good chance of winning the championship. <laughs> yeah, um, and this would go on into the '60s as well. I guess I never yeah. really considered that because you said it earlier. There's guys that like they only race like the local races. Yeah, there's probably only like two or three that could really afford at this time. Exactly. To, yeah, money was a yeah. big a big probably issue. yeah could only like afford to go to. Every race, maybe two or three guys, like a Lee Petty. Right, right. So that's mm-hmm. so, I mean, we'll we'll get into championship and stuff talk later, mm-hmm. but that's probably a good reason why. Right, yeah. So there is somebody else that uh, was has been championed as one of the greatest drivers of all time, but if you look at it and you think about it, um, when we go into the 60s, uh, you'll see that there was a, he had a pretty good chance of winning the the titles that he won. Yeah. Uh, and he shares a last name. Yeah. Uh, with and another uh, driver. Yeah. And when we get into the eighties and nineties, we're going to let you know who really is the greatest driver of all yeah. time. Yes, sir. Uh, so when we get into the 1960s, the cars, they kind of go away from being just pure stock cars that you buy on a showroom floor. Uh, they're purpose built race cars. Now they're, look nearly identical yeah uh, but they are you know there's in a lot of cases there's factory support that you know ford etc they're building these cars to put them on the track and they're funding them to do so so drivers aren't just going to their dealership uh like if yeah when i you know i bought my ford fusion i can't just race that (laughs) at grundy county right uh as much as i'd love to especially Can can you imagine I mean, my Monte Carlo that should have been mm. that should have been on a track somewhere. It just des- I mean, it deserved to die an admirable death and not yeah. whatever it did. My uh, my Mercedes belonged in a, like a demolition derby or something like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so how fast, it, uh, sir? Uh, how fast were you going? <sighs> yeah. Do you know how long it took me? Yeah. To get- <laughs> okay, short story to break up history lesson. So I got a so I got a speeding ticket. I was driving a 1986 Mercedes Benz 420 SEL. Uh, got a, approximately half a mile to the gallon, and it took uh, premium gas in an era that it was $5 a gallon of gas. Uh, I'm going down uh, north on Highway 75, and there's a cop at the bottom of the road, and he pulled me over, and he said, do you know how fast you were going? And I said, do you know how long it took me to go this fast? And then he gave me a ticket. End of story. It, you know, you should have just put your cleavage against the window. Should have. Yeah. Didn't. Should have. It missed opportunity. I still think that guy was a Packers fan. But anyways. <laughs> Only a Packers fan would yeah, do something like yeah. that. All right. So we're in the 60s. Lee Petty's dominating everything. Uh, and his son Richard emerges. Richard Petty, uh, he begins to win some championships now and making a name for himself. So 1964 and 1967, he's the champion. Is Lee still racing at this point? Um, he is kind of out of the sport. Like He raced a while with Richard. Okay. Because uh, Richard was racing in the 50s as well. Okay. Um, but by now, yeah, I believe uh, Lee Petty at is. At this point, is, Lee's out and, yeah. and Richard's in. Yes. Not that there's like a cap of how many Petties are allowed to be right, in Right, right. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure if we got to like six or seven, people would start asking questions. <laughs> yeah. That would yeah. be kind of weird. But you got to think, they're probably like, I mean, if they keep winning and winning... They're the only ones that are getting these purses. They can, yeah, there can and be so like a profit sharing situation. I, I mean, it's almost like a monopoly situation. So here's what you got to do. You know, like the 16 kids and counting or whatever. 
If you have all of them like become athletes in some sport, eventually, you know, by like you can just completely take over a a sanctioning body. Yeah. It was like you win no matter what. Good point. That's just like if some, if like Jeff Bezos bought every NFL team, you Mm. know, who cares? Yeah. Jeff Bezos uh, has just bought the, no, I don't. Say it. Say it. (laughs) Speak it into existence. Yeah, right. Uh, So uh, he had, uh, Richard Petty was known, he would race, these races, we were getting up to 50, 60 races a year. So they'd be racing more than once a week in some cases. That's they, insane. They didn't race from like January 1st to December 31st. Like they were really packed in. Of course, now the sport wasn't completely national at this point. There were some races that um, were kind of far from the South, but everything yeah. was really centered in Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, Tennessee, etc. Probably like very, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but uh, probably very similar to the COVID season that we had. You know, where they right, were yeah. doing like two yes. or three at like Darlington or something mm-hmm. like that. Mom's mm-hmm. bouncing around, but we can talk about that. Oh, yeah, that, that's going to come up. Yeah, we're definitely going to ca- talk about the coronavirus because that's what everybody wants to hear about. Yeah. Did you guys hear about this thing? <laughs> Wild. Oh, my God. This shit's crazy. Yeah, this is insane. <laughs> There's a... <laughs> my, my wife is a nurse on a COVID floor right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. And okay. it all starts with just one guy eating a bat. Yeah, you know what? Wild. And then some guy goes to a furry convention and mm. sets it all off again. And here we go. How, Anyways. How did we is, get here? Yeah, I don't know. This is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful house. How did I get here? So then David Pearson is another driver that comes in in the 60s. Um, he wins 66, 68, and 69, the championships. Right. Um, he would race full seasons. Eventually, he would stop racing full seasons. Um, a lot quicker. He didn't race a lot of full seasons. Okay. Uh, he might've only raced three full seasons, but, um, he raced a lot, uh, into the seventies as well. Uh, he was Richard Petty's biggest rival. Um, however, he couldn't really take him down in terms of winnings, uh, like total wins because he wasn't there every week all right. the time. Uh, so in races that David Pearson was not in, it was, you know, it was up to Richard Petty. He was picking up the scraps. Yeah. Like there, there, you only had you. Uh, he was the main person that you had to contend with at that point. Yeah. Um. So in this time frame, the general amount of races per season, we'd have forty-five to sixty-two. Sixty-two was the most races that they ever held in a single season. So that there's still fi- just there's fifty-two weeks in a year. So if you raced starting on January first to December thirty-first, you'd have ten weeks where you'd have like that's yeah absolutely insane. Now of course they're not driving as far as they would have to now to get across the country, but that is an incredible amount of money because they're not like these cars are not in pristine condition after a race. Like oh, no. the turnaround times has to be ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So they stopped doing that eventually. Thankfully, yeah, I I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, the, the championship was really determined by who would enter the most races at right. that point. Um, yeah. so we get into the 1970s. Um, so in 1972, we enter the modern era of NASCAR. So Winston comes in, they take over entitlement sponsorship. So this had always been the grand national division. Uh, that's what the main cup series was called. Winston comes in and now we're the Winston cup series. Okay. Which is forever associated like what, during NASCAR's boom. Winston and NASCAR are completely synonymous. So now we got alcohol. We, we got, got cigarettes. cigarettes. What's not? We Tyler Reddick just got announced he has a CBD sponsor, a yeah. hemp sponsor. Yep. That's we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Yep. This is about to be an all drugs and alcohol yeah. sport. I, if it isn't already. And the pace car is sponsored by the ATF. <laughs> 
So we reduce the amount of events. We're down to about 30 some races per season. So yeah. that's a lot more palatable, um, especially if you want to broadcast them on television right. and radio. Yeah. Uh, you can't send, yeah, you can't send a team uh, to 60 races a year and it's the same team. Like that's or for television and radio. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You can't keep up with that kind of thing. Absolutely not. Uh, By the way, I think if we could go back two seconds. No problem. When we were talking about uh, alcohol and, and drugs being the main purpose of NASCAR. Um, I think this would be a great time to tell people what our name was going to be if uh, <laughs> if we didn't really think about it. Yeah. Left Turns Anonymous? Yes. So we were going to do a little bit of a play on Alcohol Anonymous. I, uh, I still think. <laughs> I still great, like it. I li- it's, it's a still, great name. It's a good reserve name. Good reserve name. See so, what happens. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if you if you do see us and you're like, hey, I love uh, LTA, that's a good code that like you're a real listener. Yeah, right. <laughs> you listen to this one. You yes. listen to this very smart, this very small part yeah. of I this think, very early episode. Yeah. And I think every couple episodes we should drop like an LTA reference just to see if anybody listened to the tutorials. Oh, yeah. Love it. Just like a small little keyword yeah. okay. for a prize at the end. <laughs> yeah. There is no Anyways. prize. Uh, but we chose the tandem draft because we didn't want to be terrible people. Yeah. And now that the tandem draft is back, with, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we we'll talk tandem, about, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about talk that. About, but oh yeah, yeah. So Richard Petty's still dominating. He's got STP sponsoring him. Uh, he, so sponsorship was not something that was easy to come by at the time. But yep. he has STP on the car all the time. Yeah. So he's got all of the money. So it's very easy to hit for him to win a bunch of races when he's racing against, you know, in a lot of cases, amateurs. And yeah, nobody's. Yeah. Yeah. But this slows down when we reduce the amount of races and it's easier for people to enter every race. Uh, a man by the name of Cale Yarbrough will emerge. Uh, he wins the 1976, 77 and 78 championships. Uh, the first driver to ever win three championships in a row. Wow. Um so he comes in. This is kind of when Richard Petty starts to dwindle. He's still winning a bunch of races, yeah. but he's not winning like every race. So he's still winning championships and races, but it's we're kind of we've we've uh, uh, crossed the peak. We've we're going downhill a little bit very slowly. Right. But it's not his playground any longer, which is good for the sport. Yes, for sure. Say. Um, so things are getting a lot more sophisticated. However, um, you know, we have more professional drivers now we're, we're kind of populated by entirely of professionals. Like these guys have raced short tracks and come up through the ranks and they're racing NASCAR. It's not, yeah. you're not just having a guy enter a race because he can, he has a car. Yeah. But this does not have really a lot of bearing on the history of NASCAR at all. However, it's hilarious. Yeah. So in in the mid seventies, a gentleman emerges by the name of L. W. Wright. Uh, so this guy, he just talked to a bunch of people. Now again, we're in the air. There's no racing reference. Right. Uh, who I thank very much for a lot of the history that I, a lot of the statistics that I'm providing, um, for that they have provided to me. Uh, you can't just look up a guy and see what his credentials are. You're just taking his word for it in a lot of cases. So okay. This is kind of what this guy did. All right, I love it. I'm in. He buys a car from Sterling Marlin, or uh, or I believe it was either Sterling or Cuckoo Marlin, um, and he wants to go to Talladega. He has a team. He calls it Music City Racing. He says he is sponsorship by Country Music Stars, uh, and he's got money, and he's going to race at Talladega. He's been racing in Virginia, I believe he said. Uh, he's been winning stuff. Uh, problem was, nobody could really corro- corroborate this. People were kind of asking questions. Okay, all right. But he enters the race anyway. 
Uh, he enters the uh, the race at Talladega, um, which is the largest uh, oval track that NASCAR um, races on. Just an incredible facility. He does not have a very good outing. Uh, after the race, he leaves the car behind, skips town. His check bounces for purchasing the car. And no one ever sees him again. I love this. There is no evidence that his name was L.W. Wright. That's just what he provided. Uh, he made it through vetting, like uh, whatever little vetting there was. This guy just made up a name, faked his way into the top level of American Motorsports, and dipped. What a guy. He's NASCAR's D.B. Cooper. He, he, he took the money from the plane and parachuted out. And bailed. And nobody found him in the mountains. I mean, this is Fantastic. incredible. Fantastic. What a story. So that's really the end of the crazy outlaw portion of NASCAR, your local heroes, your guys cheating their way in. Which is really dumb because I think it should have lasted a lot longer. I think so. I think we need more people just, you know what, let's just have this. We need more outlaws. We need more chaos. Yeah. Now we have Frankie Muniz. Like we have Frankie (laughs) Muniz in the ARCA series. That's what we have now, which is still kind of fantastic. It is still kind of funny. Uh, you know, he's a real guy with actual money real and actual guy, credentials. Real money, actual credentials. Boo. Lame. Jake Paul's inter- interested in NASCAR now too. Of course he is. Yeah, that's that's gonna be your next your next seven time champion. Yeah, Jacob Paul. Uh, I'm sure he wants to fight Jimmy Johnson. He's too, a two sport uh, athlete. Yeah, put him in there with Tony Stewart. And see what happens. Yeah, gross him, who gross yeah. him out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who would be the best matchup for Jake Paul in a boxing match if he's doing like if he's fighting a nascar driver do we have to be current drivers or no anybody because i feel i don't know like i i would just immediately go to carl edwards just because of his physical fitness yeah his physical fitness but then there's yeah then there's scrappy guy like there's a guy like kevin harvick that just has a lot of anger but he's you know he's in his mid-40s you know his fighting days are and he's not a big guy yeah not a big guy there's not a lot of you know who i would love to see jake paul punch is joey logano that would be hilarious (laughs) you know just just a sweet guy with a punchable face boom but i think that i think we got to go with jeffrey earnhardt though you know he's a he i think he's still in the xfinity series this year but he is a trained a trained mma fighter Uh, yeah so i you know he'd probably be i I, jake paul would probably still win because i believe he'd have a huge size advantage right um but i'd uh, yeah i'd 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 see that i yeah. could see that that's an there's an outside chance there yeah okay uh, but yeah my money would still be on jake paul yeah. unfortunately right. which is sad to say yeah all right uh, that so that's the future yeah <laughs> that concludes this segment of boxing in nascar yeah i know nothing about boxing yeah or nascar I. um so in 1979 we get to uh we're 20 years into the through the daytona 500 uh so we're going to broadcast this race flag to flag on CBS. Um, this has been touted as the first ever flag to flag broadcast. Right. Yeah, there there were the some one, before. Right? There were some before, but this is this is like the biggest one that's okay. ever been done. Okay. In a uh, wonderful twist of fate, there's a huge snowstorm on the East Coast. So everybody's inside. Nobody's going outside. We're, we're in February. Everybody's shut in. So everybody's watching TV. So they put on their TV. They got two channels or whatever. Right. One of them's the Daytona 500. Which is incredible. So on the last lap, we have Donnie Allison and Cale Yarbrough. They're fighting for the lead. They're side by side. They crash in turn three. And you talk about a boxing match. Yes. They're they're kicking each other's asses. Uh, Bobby Allison comes in. Yeah. Physically he, physically yeah, harming each they're, other. There's beating the hell out of each other uh, in the grass in turn number three at, at Daytona. Through this, Richard Petty comes in and vultures his way 
into the I victory. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was like a half a lap yeah, behind like, these guys, right? He was nowhere close. They crash. He picks up the scraps and wins the Daytona 500. But the highlight was the fight. Yeah, the fight and was everybody nice. and the nation was hooked. Yeah, and NASCAR kind of boomed from here. Um, so we have Richard Petty wins the Daytona 500. He caps it off by winning the championship that year for his seventh title. And that would become the end of Richard Petty's reign. Yeah, he he went out a champion, right? Yep. So uh, he so he continued still, to race. Yeah, he raised, continued to but... race, but he's no no more championships for Richard Petty. Yeah. Um, but we had a, a strong rookie class that year, but that was highlighted by a gentleman that would win the rookie of the year in 1979, Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt. Okay, so Dale Earnhardt. Rookie year, 1979. So we're going into the 80s. Going into the 80s. Love it. Let's go. All right. So 1980, Dale Earnhardt immediately strikes and wins the championship. Uh, So Dale Earnhardt, another, uh, he kind of like takes over as the dominant driver of the day. Uh, Richard Petty's still around. He still wins a couple more races, um, which will eventually lead up to 200 races. Uh, his final win at Daytona in the July Firecracker 400 would become his 200th victory. Um, from there, he will uh, kind of fade off and retire eventually in the next decade. Uh, but Dale Earnhardt takes over uh, the as reins as the, the guy. dominant guy. Yeah. Uh, we also have another driver, Daryl Waltrip, that will emerge. He's kind of he kind of takes over as a villain. Uh, they call him Jaws because he his mouth is flapping all the time. Uh, but he <laughs> I went, never heard that. Yeah. He wins in uh, 81, 82, and 85. Uh, but Daryl Waltrip, he, he dominates a lot, too. Him and Dale are kind of at the top of the heap. Yeah, um, and, they're, and they're, they're rivals. Yes, yeah. They, like they go head-to-head head a lot. Um, there's you know, no love lost there right. at, at, at the time, at least. Um, Winston's still going strong as the entitlement sponsor. Uh, they introduce uh, the Winston Million which is a million-dollar bonus for any driver that can win three out of the four major races in the season, uh, these being um, the Daytona 500, the Winston 500 at Talladega, the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte, the longest race of the year, and the Southern 500 at Darlington. If you win three out of the four of those races, you get an extra million dollars, which is still a ridiculous amount of money today, but even more back then. Yeah, and so you just you all you have to do is win three of them. You don't have to win all four. Right. Yep, you just win three of them, here's a million bucks. Okay. So, 1985, Bill Elliott wins the Daytona 500. He okay. wins at Talladega. He wins at Darlington. Um, so, he goes into uh, the Southern 500 with that chance to to win the thing, and he wins it all. Um, so, from there... Wait, I thought he already... Because he won three of them, right? No, so, yeah, Darlington. Yeah, that's the third one. So, Coca-Cola 600, he didn't have a good race. Um, but, yeah, Darlington was the last one of the year. So, he had won two out of the three, gets to Darlington... Wins the million dollars. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, I, okay. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Right. So he, he's a million dollar bill from then on. Ah, uh, uh, I get it. Yes. Uh, he then becomes the, uh, the 1988 champion. Okay. Uh, before that, in 1987, uh, he becomes the, the fastest man in stock car racing. That's right. So he, this is where we kind of peek out in terms of ridiculous performance of the cars. Because um, they're just souping up these cars to a ridiculous degree we are we are long gone from the pure stock standpoint there there's still uh, yeah we did kind of we did kind of skip over yeah. the the era you remember the 
the cars in the seventies that just looked nothing like the cars <laughs> that were on the on the street. Yeah, we yeah we there yeah the super the, that's when uh they were built because they would ha- you'd have to introduce a car and it would have to ser- sell a certain amount of units to be eligible to race in NASCAR. Yeah, so that's when like Dodge and Plymouth and Ford put together yeah, their the cars Plymouth, with the wings on the back. Yeah, the Plymouth Superbird uh, is yeah, just which are I think are beautiful, but yeah. um they would just put out a limited amount, sell the this minimum amount that they needed. And then would start winning a bunch of races. Yeah, definitely um, not a stock car. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I mean, technically, but kind of not. Right. Yeah. But now we have like modern templates. Um, the manufacturers are entering like they have like the, the Ford. You're going to have a Thunderbird if you're driving a Ford. Like that's just how it is. If you're driving a Chevrolet, it's going to be a Monte Carlo. Right. Um, Which it still should be, but go on. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Bring back the Monte Carlo. Uh, so 1987, he sets the speed record for a NASCAR uh, Cup car at 212 mile an hour average lap at Talladega. Um, so from there we have, which sounds fast, but, but then like you see it and yeah. it's like this car is flying that's on the a, ground. That's about 20 to 30 miles an hour faster, faster than the average lap at Talladega now. Yeah. So the, these cars were going at a ridiculous Just, pace. Yeah. So in that race, Bobby Allison blows a tire and that puts some air under the car. He flies into the catch fence. Everybody survives, right? But it was a brutal crash because they were going incredibly fast, and it wasn't pretty, right? So these cars are going a little faster because they're drafting up on each other. So in a pack, they're going a little faster than the yeah. average speed. So yeah. uh, NASCAR decided that they needed to step in and decrease the speeds. So then we entered the era for Daytona and Talladega only. They restrict the power of the engines, so they stepped in and decided that the the safety of the competitors and the fans stands uh, much more important than the extreme performance of the cars. So at those two tracks, they restrict the engine power, so they slow down, which then creates pack racing, and that's the exciting uh, four-wide, 12-rows-deep racing that you see at Daytona and Talladega today. Which, when you hear that they're going to go slower, you're like, oh, that's lame. But then you see them pack racing, and it's just... It's an incredibly wild and intense race. It's (laughs) It's so awesome. So they continue to race in packs to this day, and every year those the four races that are at those two tracks are are some of the most entertaining of the season. Confirmed. But uh, that record, that 212-mile-an-hour lap, has stood to this day and will likely not be defeated um, in NASCAR competition. Yeah, the way that they're going now, it's like... uh, I mean, they're... They don't go as fast. Yeah, like they are they are considerably slower than they have been in a long time, but we'll see what that new car brings. Right. Uh, so then we enter the 1990s, and we have a certain Dale Earnhardt that is still dominating, now driving the black number three Monte Carlo or Lumina sponsored by GM Goodwrench. Yes, um, and 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 the the black look. So he had a he had like this yellow and blue bright Wrangler jeans car. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, iconic paint In its scheme, own right, for sure. Just incredible. But Dale was such a hard ass that almost the the paint scheme didn't match who he was. Mm-hmm. So he switches to, to Goodwrench uh, as the primary sponsor, mm-hmm. and he gets this black car, and he dubs his nickname of the Intimidator. Yep, yep. He is the Intimidator, yeah, because he, there's no one more intimidating than Dale Earnhardt, because he would... He would be 
in control of his car in a way that was insane where he could use his car offensively in ways that other drivers wouldn't. So it would make other drivers be incredibly defensive because they know if they're not moving for Dale, he's going right through you. Yeah, yeah. if you don't get out of Dale's way, he's going to get you out of his way. Yes, yeah. Yeah. he's figuring it out. Um, So he dominates early. He's winning championships still. Um, In 1992, uh, we have Alan Kowicki, driver of the number seven uh, Hooters Ford Thunderbird. Mm, Yes. Uh, He owns his own team. Uh, he is the man in charge. Usually the cars are owned by someone else, um, but he found his own sponsorship. He fields the car himself. He was a incredibly smart man. He wins the 1992 championship in a thrilling battle with uh, Bill Elliott, Kyle Petty, and Davey Allison. Uh, that comes down to just a difference of a lap led, I believe, um, that he wins the 1992 championship. Back when championships were judged based on... Your full season. Yes. yes. Okay. So coming into the last race with four guys in contention to win the title uh, after a full season is ridiculous. Uh, Very exciting. The, the way that it should be. Yes. Um, unfortunately, he would pass away in 1993 in a non-racing uh, aviation accident. Yeah. Um, on his way to the track, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, Davey Allison as well would pass away uh, in, a, in another... Uh, aviation accident uh very uh around the same time yeah and out Al- like the allison family is Sinon- a name. yeah yeah we didn't we didn't bring them up a ton in yeah the but history, donnie but... and da- donnie and bobby allison um have won race of bobby allison a champion in his own right um but davy and alan were pretty much set to be dominant forces in the 1990s uh, Davey was a surefire champion. He was going to be a champion at some point. Yep. Um, but w- losing both of them in early 1993 was a huge blow. Uh, but the big part, another big part of that 1992 race um, that determined the champion um, would be Richard Petty's final race ever as a NASCAR stock car driver. Yes. Um, he would retire after racing since the 1950s. He would retire with 200 victories and seven championships, seven Daytona 500s. Is that it? Yeah. Oh yeah, mm. uh, pretty Lame. good. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, he could have. It's no Kyle Busch. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Now uh, there was another rookie that started that race. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's another guy. Um, there's this bright uh, rainbow colored car um, that was fielded by Rick Hendrick, uh, and a young Jeff Gordon would uh, debut in that race, and uh, he turned out to be. Yeah, that's a name that I've uh, I've heard a couple times. Yeah, yeah, that twenty four seems familiar to me. Yeah, um, interesting. So I'm sure his name won't pop up again. No, surely not. Yeah, no. has no bearing on our lives or yeah. love for the sport or no, anything. No, nothing at all. So, uh, 1993, 1994, we have Dale Earnhardt winning his sixth and seventh championships. So he ties that mark set by Richard Petty as a seven time champion. Um, but of course he's still operating at a ridiculous level, uh, and looks, you know, there's no end in sight for Dale Earnhardt in terms of championships at this point. Um, but then Jeff Gordon strikes and 1995 becomes the champion. And, uh, the rest of the nineties is really dominated by Jeff Gordon and the rainbow warriors, which pisses Dale off to no end. Yeah. And a lot of fans, Jeff Gordon was not well liked because he's this clean cut kid from California. And in the Southern sport of NASCAR, yeah. we don't like guys that people can understand yeah. on the TV. Yeah, absolutely. Like his uh, Jeff's parents invested. I mean, he's racing go karts since he was yeah. like four. Yeah, he's a clean cut kid. <laughs> yeah, and people like that hard headedness of a Dale Earnhardt. So it kind of changes the the uh, 
the career racers look a lot different now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Th- th- this is a this is a good chance for everybody to regroup. Yep. Uh, resettle. <laughs> um, yeah. We we uh, we just needed a second there. Yeah. We needed to put some dead air in. Yeah. So Jeff Gordon comes on the scene, mm-hmm. and is Dale Earnhardt's new. Yeah, essentially, Nemesis. it's it's the the eras colliding. Yeah, so we have the hard headed Dale Earnhardt versus the clean cut Jeff Gordon. The fan bases are colliding, right? You know, in a fun way. Um, but Jeff Gordon looks to be unstoppable at this point. Um, in 1998, he wins 13 races in a single season. Uh, has the best scoring season of all time. Just, just completely yeah. untouchable. Um, he was paired with crew chief Ray Evernham. Uh, the pair of them were uh, arguably one of the best crew chief driver pairings of all time. Definitely. Um, though in 1998, towards the end of the season, Ray would leave. Uh, he would then oversee his own. T- he's going to start his own team um, that brings back Dodge to the sport, who has been right. who have been gone for a long time. So um, the incredible dominance of Jeff Gordon kind of teetered after that, but like that late 90s period where they were paired together. Um, there was nobody touching them. Right. So um, that's what then would bring NASCAR into the new millennium. Uh, Dale Jarrett was the 1999 champion, um, and then we enter the 2000s. So uh, Jeff Gordon and Ray Everham, they never partnered back up again, did they? So no, like never. Because uh, I remember it, Ray Everham being Jeff Gordon's crew chief, mm-hmm. and then I remember him starting his Dodge thing, like with right. Jeremy Mayfield and... and uh, and Bill Elliott, mm-hmm. and eventually Casey Kane. Yep. Um, but I, for whatever reason, I can't piece together the period of time where it was Jeff Gordon and Ray Everham, and then it was Jeff Gordon and the next guy. Yeah, so then, like, Brian Weitzel took over um, briefly, and then Robbie Loomis took over. Loomis, after, Yeah, that's, Robbie Loomis. Okay. Uh, it was early 2000s, early to mid-2000s yeah. there. okay. Um, won Gordon's last championship in 2001 with him. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, Ray has said l- later on that he, you know, didn't really like owning a team. So, like, if you think back, yeah. like, Ray was more of the guy that, you know, has always wanted to be a crew chief uh, and was incredibly good at it. If they never parted, like, we would have, he would be the third seven-time champion for sure. Like, yeah. Um, on ta- like the pair, like the talent of Jeff Gordon is ridiculous, and the talent of Ray Evernham was ridiculous as well. Um, but put together, like that's like a whole nother level. Sure, yeah, right. All right, so we got Jeff Gordon in now. Mm-hmm. We're turning to the two thousands. Yep. This is when this is when you and I are probably going to be able to do a lot off of memory here. Right. Yeah. This is stuff uh, that we've yeah. we saw happen because I remember the late nineties. Um, my guy was Terry Labonte because of our aunt. Yep. Uh, and then when I liked winning, I chose Dale. Yep. Uh, and I and I did like Jeff Gordon, too. I didn't really know. I mean, I was five, six years old. I had no idea that there was a rivalry between Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon. And also, that's the beauty of NASCAR that people are going to know is you don't have to just like one guy. Right, There's right. so yeah. many different guys that you're like. I mean, there's rivalries, too, mm-hmm. and everything. But there's there's not, it's not the same as like, you, 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 you have to pick like a baseball team or a football right, team. Right. Yeah. 
because yeah, it's every you know every every competitor is competing against every other competitor every week. Yeah, it's not one you know. So, um, yeah, you can have a field of guys that you always like. So sure. it's really it's really fun to watch because then you're happy no matter what. Like if there's... Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> and and if you put all of your eggs in in one basket or one one driver, mm-hmm. obviously when they win, it's way sweet. And right. Stuff. Yeah. But what I'm I guess what I'm saying is that you can be happy for multiple guys winning. Right. Like, 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 like obviously where I'm at right now mm-hmm. and like, this is just taking history out of it. Chase Elliott, he's my guy, mm-hmm. but we all like Bubba Wallace. Right. Right. He wins. I go crazy. Ryan Blaney. Right. He wins. I'm happy. Like right. there's, there's a lot of guys that make me happy when they win or like yeah. anybody from Hendrick Motorsports as the team, you know? Yeah. So. Like for me, yeah, I'm the same way. Like Bubba Wallace is my guy. But, you know, I'm going to be excited if, like, uh, somebody has their first victory. If the Wood Brothers win their 100th race, that's oh, going to be yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, people getting their first win is always a good story. Right. People yeah. that don't win a lot I always like. People that whose personalities I enjoy, like Ryan Blaney. Um, it just So then you're not Landon disappointed. Castle. Yeah, Landon Castle. Yeah. My man. Yeah. Going to race the Daytona 500 this year. Let's go. Let's go, Landon. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, we're, yeah. so we're in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, the 2000 season, fun, fun, uh, finish to the championship. Yep. Yep. We have, uh, a Bobby, uh, Bobbert, young Bobbert Labani. Yes. Uh, brother to Terry winning the championship, uh, that season. Yep. Um, or no, Bobby won it, didn't he? Yeah. In 2000. Mm -hmm. Yep. Bobby won it in 2000. Uh, it came down to the last race Mm -hmm. at Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Bobby wins it. But in March, was it the March race? Yes. That yeah. they had, it was between Bobby and Dale. Yeah. Where dad, my dad, big Dale Earnhardt guy, he was at the race. Mm-hmm. Bobby wins it by like. Inches. Uh, Yeah. Like the tip of a nose. Right. And uh, I mean, incredible race. Mm-hmm. And then Dale wins at Talladega, which it, that 2000 Talladega win. Oh, yeah. I've watched that. Like the, I, I love going back and watching old Talladega races. Last night I watched a lot of the 2002 uh, fall Talladega race because uh, I couldn't sleep. But yeah, watching old Talladega race, I don't know, just the vibe of like yeah. early 2000s NASCAR, the sound of the cars and everything. It just cars uh, sounded just, incredible. Yep. Cars looked incredible. The and, fans sounded incredible because yeah. they're they're packed to the gills. Yeah, and the thing is too with those cars and like that era. Mm-hmm. Guys could just absolutely tear up the cars. Yeah, it wasn't this like I ran into the wall a little bit and I'm out of the race. Yeah, completely. there's a lot of there's a lot of it's a it's very physical. Yeah, it's very physical yeah. back then. Um, which I, again, that's something that we'll talk about too, is that because the it's the general belief that that is going to return. Yes. Um, yes. Which is very exciting. Yes, and uh, I feel like we should also backtrack a second here mm-hmm. too. Go back to Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt only won the Daytona 500 once. Yes. This was like the thorn in Dale's side. Mm-hmm. It was the one, like he's won seven championships. He had won he a won. ridiculous amount of races at Daytona itself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he could not capture the Daytona 500. It seems like every year he was right there and something happened like he that had, like took him out of the race. He hit a bird once yeah. and that took him out. He yeah. blew a tire on the last lap and yes. that took him out. But in 98... Mm-hmm. He finally gets it done. He wins the Daytona 500, and everybody lines up, like all the pit crew and mm-hmm. drivers that like got out of their cars. They all line up on on pit road, 
and Dale just drives by and like he's high fiving everybody. Like yes, this yeah. was the respect that this, he had earned at like, that point. Dale had done everything and anything there was to do in NASCAR. This mm-hmm. is all he wanted left. Yeah. Owned a team. Like yeah. this is all he yeah. wanted. Mm-hmm. And he gets it done. Yes. Incredible. So that's a big moment in, in NASCAR history. Dale finally winning the 98 Daytona 500. Mm-hmm. He's in the championship uh, talk in, in 2000. Yeah. And then 2001, that's going to be, that's going to be eighth championship. He's, he's yeah. gung ho. Yeah. Um, so we enter the Daytona 500 in 2001. Dale is driving for Richard Childress, mm-hmm. but owns Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Yep. Which fields two cars, uh, three cars at three, that point. Yeah. Yes. Three yep. cars. Uh, Michael Waltrip in the in the fifteen, mm-hmm. Dale Jr. in the eight, mm-hmm. Steve Park in the one. Yes, and then at, at that point, Steve Park is kind of you know faded back in this race, um, but Michael Waltrip and I think Steve uh, Park it, wrecked. Yeah, early. He might have. Yeah, I he, think he wrecked early. Yeah, and, and uh, but it came down to the point where we're getting down to like twenty fifteen laps to go. Mm-hmm. Michael Waltrip and Dale Jr. won two. Yeah, with Dale. With Dale and three kind of like defending. Yeah, keep yeah, keeping keeping his two cars that he owns ahead of the field. Um of course he wants to win the race, but I, I think there yeah. you know, he has a and couple he, dollars on the line he, if his right, if his guys exactly. win it too. If and, his son and were yeah, to win you it, have yeah. yeah, and you have his son yeah. in second mm-hmm. and then Michael Waltrip, who's been in the sport at this point. A long twenty something like 400, years. Yeah, he had won. He had raced four hundred some races and had not won a race. Yeah, yet. the the younger brother of Daryl Waltrip. Uh, he had been a great friend. Uh, once Daryl and Dale became friends, Michael and Dale were friends as well. And and but Mike and Dale really took Michael under his wing. Yes, yeah. So he finally was able to give Michael the opportunity to race for his team. It was going to be Michael's first race. like first uh, yeah, first race at DEI. Yep. Yep. He's got sponsorship from Napa. It's the best situation that Michael Walter had ever been in. He'd been kind of a journeyman. He'd been in mid-level cars, but this is his first like he, yeah. they're they're and talking his, about him as like he might he he can be a championship threat with this combination. Yes, and he was just in the shadow of Daryl. Right. His yeah. whole life Yes. Because yeah. Daryl was a guy that was successful, won yeah. everything. Yeah, he won the Daytona 500. He won championships. He won 80, over 80 races. Yeah. And but Michael, all Michael was the, has is just a really bad wreck at Bristol to his Yeah, day. yeah. He was a lovable guy, but, you know, he was just a journeyman guy that a lot of people, you know, he's just yeah. like, well, he's a wall trip, so we'll, yeah. you know, he's got so name value. Yeah, so we're getting down 15, 10 laps to go. This is still the running order. And Dale mm-hmm. is just like, he's setting blocks mm-hmm. on everybody. He's yes. like, I don't care. Who finishes past four? It's gonna be one, two, three with me in third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last lap. Mm-hmm. One last block. We have Sterling Marlin coming in to try and advance his position. D- do it, d- racing. Yeah, racing. And, and Dale doing the same thing, trying to keep make sure that because Sterling he had won uh, he had won one of the uh, qualifying races. Uh, he's in a dot. This is Dodge's debut. Uh, the and car the, is very strong, and the car was going faster than Dale's car was going. Yes, so Dale goes into block. Sterling's already there, and we lose Dale Earnhardt. Yes, he goes into the wall head first. His his hood flaps up. It ends up being uh, Dale raced with a with an open faced helmet, mm-hmm. uh, contusions to the head, yeah, etc. Yeah, um, basically dead at yeah. at point of contact. Yes, um, and I mean just the most 
the most uh i mean there have been deaths in nascar before this right yeah and there there are some like even just re, like d- speaking of 2001 um the year before there were three guys that died from the exact same injury um you had blaze alexander that died in arca race in a crash with dale's son carrie not um yeah course, but uh adam petty which was richard petty's grandson kyle petty's son yep uh adam petty died uh in a practice session as well from the same injury uh, Kenny Irwin also died in a practice session um, with the same injury as well. So um, it was a basal or skull fracture. It's essentially a decapitation without decapitation. Like your brainstem is essentially severed. Yeah. Uh, a horrible, horrible thing that at this point we have within the space of a year, four drivers, including at the time, the, the biggest, you know, name. The, the biggest name that biggest the sport name, has. Biggest guy. Uh, and what this death does mm-hmm changes nascar for forever yes in because a very now, like as much as it as much as nascar hurts without dale earnhardt this saved a lot of future lives not even yeah. just at the nascar level but in racing across the entire world yeah changed and, forever with this and the thing is like you said there were three that happened before this mm-hmm. in the span of a year yeah and so it doesn't even count that yeah it too. doesn't yeah. count the many before mm-hmm. that yes and nothing was ever done right you take out the biggest name in the sport where, yeah, they, I mean, whatever a, they had been working yeah. on, like, this is fast track yeah. now. Yeah. yeah, and and Dale at the time was 51 years old mm-hmm. and and still contending for championships. Yep, yep. Still wanting to contend for championships. Mm-hmm. And now he's just gone. Bam, gone, yep. done. Yep. No more Dale. I remember taking the day off of school the day of his funeral. Mm-hmm. And I got to watch it on TV. Um, they, yeah, they telecast it. It was, I mean... The sport was just absolutely broken. Yeah, because like this is, I mean, drivers had died. We had drivers die in races. We had drivers die away from races. But the stage that was set, because at the time, uh, in 2001, they signed a huge new TV deal. Right. So Fox was broadcasting. This was, yeah, Daytona this was 500. Fox's first. Yeah, the first, first race. Uh, first with, race, yeah. We have Daryl Waltrip in the booth that calls his, his little brother to win the race. Yeah. While his best friend crashes, he doesn't know what's going. So the yeah the kind of the the fear in his voice when he thinks like why isn't Dale getting out of the car? But my brother just won the race. Like uh, the emotion there. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of people watching this race. Like there's a this was going to be like a new era for NASCAR, a new excitement. Yeah. And you take away its biggest driver when the eyes of the world are watching. Yeah, and it was just so confusing because the wreck happens. Mm-hmm. And this now looking back, obviously, it's a brutal crash. But like a few laps before we had a red flag because Tony Stewart is tumbling down like there had been Uh, way more spectacular. Like this looked like if you were just watching the race live, you'd see this crash and you'd think nothing like, yeah, you know, this sale hit the wall like this sucks. Yeah. But you wouldn't you wouldn't see that crash right then and say, yeah, we like it wasn't gone. Yeah, it wasn't until. Kenny Schrader got out of his car because mm-hmm. he, he, he got caught up in the crash. And he just went to go see if Dale was okay. And then you just see this moment where the ambulance is on the way, but Kenny Schrader, Schrader is just like waving his hands like, yeah, you like, guys got to get yeah, here Yeah, because he now. sees, again, another great friend of Dale. He, yeah. he sees his friend in here. Um, and and Kenny Schrader has only spoken on this subject yeah. like two times. Right, yeah. He, and has he doesn't never, talk about what he saw. And never has said anything about what he saw. Yeah, right. And that's the way it should be. Because we don't need to know. Nobody wants to know. Yeah, because uh, the way you think of a hero is in their in their triumphant moments. 
Yeah. Uh, and Dale, of course, uh, is defined by his triumphs. And in a small way, he's defined by what this did for the safety of NASCAR yes. into the future. So, I mean, we're talking changes of the walls. Mm-hmm. We're talking changes in the cockpit, like mm-hmm. uh, like the, the harnesses that the guys have to wear, um, the helmets that the guys have to wear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it cost Dale Earnhardt, but it saved. Yeah, because... Probably, it saved probably Jeff Gordon. Yeah. It saved another guy, like yeah, another a, big yeah, guy. Yeah, there are huge. Yeah, there are so many crashes that you could watch that looked nearly identical. Like or you could, worse. Yeah, or worse that are amazing that people were. Now people can, like, it's very rare that we have a crash that, that comes to mind anymore, which is kind of unfortunate that we've become desensitized because now we, yeah. wa- we watch way more brutal things. Um, and we're going to bring up another one that'll come up uh many years down the line from where we are here but yeah. um we see a lot of crashes now that we don't worry uh which we should be but yeah. we we haven't had you know due to the things that changed there hasn't um, been there's yeah. there hasn't been one yeah, there since. there was the last uh the last death in a NASCAR National Touring Series race was Dale Earnhardt was Dale Earnhardt and and that's something to be yeah. celebrated yeah that's 21 years ago yeah uh, which is crazy, which is sad. Wow. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. How did yeah. we get here? Yeah. Um, but, but that's saved that's, a lot of lives. Yeah. So that's, that's that's how way. that's how the new millennium of NASCAR really started. Yes. So uh, and 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 so there were tributes mm-hmm. all through that season. And I mean, two or three years after mm-hmm. every race on the third lap, people like, yeah, held up yeah, three they, fingers and it went on for like two or three years yeah. to the point where NASCAR just said, OK, like. This is the last year we're doing. Like this is the last <laughs> time we're doing it. And like now, like we just pat. Like last year was the twenty years to the Daytona five hundred, and they did it then. We had we've had a lot of great tributes because yeah. yeah, Dale is always going to be held in such a regard because he led NASCAR in into its biggest boom up right. until yeah. then. Rich R- R- or uh, Richard Petty winning his driver in NASCAR history. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt, the best driver in right, NASCAR like, history. It's. It's hard to compare eras. Yeah. But like he was just he was he had a different kind of skill. Like no one has ever had that kind of skill. Yeah. And he and didn't harnessed it in a way. Yeah. And he yeah, Dale didn't win because of the equipment that he had. Right. He had he great won equipment because yeah. he was just better than you. Yes. Yeah. And we'll talk about because um the unfortunate part of when a driver drive when a driver dies. There's a lot of contracts and a lot of money on the line. Mm-hmm. They got to field that car the next week. Exactly. So um, we proved a little later on that. So there was another driver that I, I do want to mention that did have to fill in the shoes of Dale Wait, in the coming weeks. Which how? Yeah, I yeah. We which is something we can't skip over. But um, that driver Kevin Harvick he carried Richard Childress Racing for the next few years until he left. And once he left, the team you know kind of fell off. So it really showed. You know, Richard Richard Child, a, a fantastic team, and it's you know a little different now. But the the skill of Dale and then Kevin Harvick carried it to a much higher yeah. stand. Like, yeah, it was it was and the yeah. driver for yeah. sure. It was the driver, absolutely. So Kevin Harvick has to do the yeah. unthinkable. Yes, he so had just won the championship in, in the Bush series. In the yep. Bush series. So yeah, he for, he had been under contract with Richard Childress. Um, he was racing in the Bush series, the kind of the minor league in NASCAR. Um, driving the number two Aldelco car, yep. which is an all-time car. Yeah, a beautiful car. Yep. Um, and he was signed on to race a couple races 
Um, he was going to race uh, with sponsorship from AOL uh, in the number 30 car. Um, but then they called him. They're like, hey, you know, we all know what happened. We got a field. We got a field the three car um, under a different number. So they picked 29 just because it was the lowest number that was available. Um, and they went the next week uh, to Rockingham, North Carolina. And um, yeah, they went to Rockingham. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a brand new, an inverted paint scheme. You know, it's not a black car anymore. It's a white car with GM Goodwrench on there, red numbers or black numbers at the time. Um, and they have to carry no, I think on. It, I think yeah. it was red and then it went black. It was black. black, black for two weeks. And then Atlanta was the first. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But not Rock- important to the history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, Rockingham was crazy because they they were going to they were asking Dale Jr. Yeah, so yeah, so Dale Jr. Do we even race like? And he said, "Yeah, like, yeah, like that." Yeah. Dale would that's not, not want, even. Yeah, yeah that's not, not even a question, question to him because yeah. he is concerned about way more. Um, they had to do a media scrum, like like they had a whole media thing set up outside of the track. Um, put a lot of pressure on Dale Jr. Yeah. Um, and the company, you know, he, you know, Dale senior owned a whole company. He had, he has a race team now that he's owned for a couple of years. Yeah. That's now fielding three cars. They, he, they just lost their leader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of ripple effect that takes place from this. And then like on the third lap or not even the, not the third yeah, lap. For, because I think it might've the, been the first lap was yeah. Dale junior crash. Yeah, Dale, Dale junior goes crashes. into the wall and the place is dead silent. Yeah. Yep. And all of the drivers are like, Oh my God, is he okay? Like it's still yeah. the forefront of everybody's mind. Yeah. And like one wreck, and it wasn't a bad wreck. Yeah, like he just w- cut yeah. a tire in the wall or something like that. Right. It wasn't bad at all. Right. And every and they like everybody was freaking out. Right. Um, but thankfully, uh, we got a little bit of reprieve. Um, the third driver of DEI, Steve Park, won the race. Yes. Um, and brought uh, a little bit of happiness. Yeah. Uh, to the field, to the fans, to see him come out, tears in his eyes, wearing a Dale Earnhardt hat. Um, Which everybody yeah. everybody was wearing a Dale Earnhardt. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, two races after that, uh, in a similar fact, the year before when Dale Earnhardt won in Atlanta over Bobby Labonte, Kevin Harvick racing Dale's old, with Dale's old team uh, wins by inches over Jeff Gordon in just his third ever Cup Series race. Which at the time, like I at this point, I am all Jeff Gordon. Yeah. I got like he just came out with the like 2001 was the first year of the flame yeah paint no scheme. more rainbow warriors so he's yeah. driving this he's cool flame the, car yeah like this car is what got me in like yeah I knew about NASCAR because of this car yeah exactly um so me biggest Jeff Gordon fan of all time mm-hmm. nobody wanted Jeff Gordon to win yeah that you race. do you do not want Jeff to win I'm sure Jeff would be upset if he won that race yeah. like nobody wanted Jeff yeah, Gordon to win that but race. he tried. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Harvick wins with Dale's old team, uh, brings him a little bit more closure there. Incredible. Yes. Incredible story. Um, that, that, and then Jeff, of course, winning the title in 2001 mm-hmm. is what you remember. And right. Kevin Harvick won the first ever race at Chicagoland. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, RIP in peace. Yeah. Chicagoland. Speedway. Yeah. Chicagoland. Yeah. Um, but then just one more, I know, I know we've expanded a lot on the no, 2001 no, season, but this is a huge, this like it's just a big, huge year in uh, racing. Arguably the biggest in racing yeah. and certainly the most important that we remember. It, it's a huge turning point in a lot of places, but yeah. we go back to Daytona cause we race there twice a year. Yes. Um, so in July 4th weekend, we mm, race the yes, Pepsi 400. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so Dale Jr. has to return to the place that took his father. 
uh, and Dale Jr. just dominates, s- just smacks him, just comp- just spanks him in front of everybody. Yeah, and just, I don't even care if like it was like like set up for this to happen. And that's a whole yeah. And like, if it is, like, whatever. Famously, yeah. But, famously, Jimmy Spencer claimed that, which which caused a huge rift. You yeah, know, like Jimmy Spencer could go right. I think yeah, Dale Jr. proved in later years that it was not because he would he went on to win four Talladega races. Just yeah. he's a ridiculously good driver at these kinds of tracks. Right. But, yeah. He won the day, or he won at Daytona, uh, and just one more step, you know, of closure yeah. with Dale Jr. conquering the place that took his father. Yeah, um, just and went on more. to went on to dominate Talladega, like or yeah. dominate the restrictor plates, like his dad mm-hmm. did. So. Yes, so yeah, that really put because that was the first win for Dale Jr. since his dad passed. Um, and then yeah, a, just a, a moment that nobody didn't want to see. Right. Um, in a in a sweet. MLB All Star yep. Game paint scheme. Yeah. I might add. Yeah, what a beautiful car. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was yeah. Two thousand one had a lot of uh, ups and downs, a lot of downs, a lot, a lot of downs. But Jeff Gordon won the title. So yeah, so good up. Yeah, so we got that going <laughs> for us. Um, so a lot of the innovation. So we have uh, had neck restraints, so drivers like heads don't uh, don't jerk around. Yep. We don't have as many, we don't have neck injuries like we used to. Um, now these devices that were kind of, that were in development, but then required after this, uh, now are used formula one, IndyCar, like rally cross, like every, yeah. like every, every auto racing has these innovations now because of what happened to Dale. Right. So, um, we do have a silver lining, uh, as morbid as that, as that may be. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we go, we skip into 2002, uh, Jeff Gordon riding high. And he decided, you know what, I'm, I'm a three-time champion. Yeah, he's a four-time champion now. Yeah, really? Yep. Uh, 95, 97, 98, 2001. That's right. Yep. I'm uh, sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, but he hires another guy. He, he you he, know what he, it is? Yeah. I, this is why I thought that because I, I'm, I know I'm skipping ahead, but he oh, won the, right. he won the Daytona 500 in 2004, and Five. or 2005. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he went on uh, Regis and Kelly, and he <laughs> said that he was going to drive for five in 05. Yes. And I and I forgot that it and was after miss, he miss won the, the chase. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I forgot that it was after he won the Daytona 500 and not after he won the championship oh, in 2004. You. That was my bad. My apologies. We move on, or we move backwards to okay. 2002. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jeff uh, works with his team owner, Rick Hendrick, and they hire a fourth driver for their team. Uh, young uh, Jimmy Johnson. So Jimmy Johnson takes over as a new driver for the team. They give him the entire fleet of cars that Jeff raced in 2001. Uh, and then Jeff has all new cars. Uh, and from there, it was it was never the same for Jeff Gordon. Nope. Uh, what he did was he hired his replacement. He hired the, his in, replacement. In the, in the prime of his career, he hired somebody that would uh, go on to become... In my in my opinion, the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. Okay, all right. Um, so there's my hot take there. Um, Jimmy Johnson immediately contended for the championship, um, and he never stopped until yeah until his replacements came. Exactly. So, um, the next year Winston would leave. Um, so we don't have them as an entitlement sponsor. We have Nextel. So Lame. forefront of technology here. You know, Nextel's still around, kicking. Uh, so which by the way over yeah. the years they they continued to like change the name of the series and yeah. they changed the name of the races no 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 <laughs> whatever it was when i was eight right yeah that, that's what it is you see things used to be better when i was the <laughs> last in my ra- day yeah, the last race at 
uh, Atlanta will forever be the Napa 500. Yep. And the first one will be the Bass Pro Shops 500. Yep. I'll give a, a slight, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll accept the Golden Growl 500. Sure. For, uh, uh, I think, what was that? That was the last one of the season afterwards, right? Yeah, that, after the, na- after Napa. The, one was, of, yeah, one no, of they took, I think. Bass they took Pro the, Shops was the last. Bass, Bass Pro Shops MB&A 500 right. might have been the last yeah. race. Of the yeah, it doesn't I don't matter. know. There's a, yeah. Whatever. Oh, well. <laughs> advertising works this show is so awesome yeah (laughs) so we get into 2004 with nextel so up until now we had been determining a champion based on who scores the most points over the course of an entire year so this is where nascar goes to hell (laughs) this is where nascar sucks and we're trying to bring it back yeah right so they decide that they're going to take the 10 best drivers once we get 26 races in we get 10 best drivers, we kind of reset the points, and then those 10 guys compete for the championship over the last 10 races. Everybody's still racing, but those 10 guys have a shot at the title. Um, it's provided a lot of excitement, it's provided a lot of controversy in its many forms, but the chase or the playoff system has been here since 2004. Um, in one word, boo! <laughs> yeah. Um, Racing did not need this. I don't like it personally. A lot of people don't like it, but the TV networks do. So unfortunately, we're at their uh, we're at their mercy. And this is what year? Uh, Two thousand four. Which is great because the greatest video game of all time came out right around here. <laughs> uh, NASCAR Thunder two thousand four. What a fantastic uh, uh, piece it, of media! It does not get any better than that game. Yeah, that, that was the peak NASCAR video game. It's still fantastic. And they still haven't figured out a good NASCAR video no, game. No, they still haven't been able to figure it out. Yeah, we had high hopes for uh, the new one, Ignition. And Griff and I were going to get it, and we were excited. But then we saw some some clips of people <laughs> oh playing it God. on YouTube, <laughs> and we saw the reviews. Uh, it's not pretty. NASCAR would be more popular if it had a popular video game. Yeah. Just make a good game. People yeah. like racing. Just like, make a good game. And it's not hard. I don't know. Just make them go in circles and just make it not break. How, I yeah. How, I mean, how is, like... Just reskin NASCAR. Th- yeah, right. Forza, Forza 5. So good. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or even that like Grand Theft Auto. Oh, my God. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just figure it out. And you're only going in circles. Yeah, come on, guys. Uh, anyways. Armchair video game developers here. That's right. Um, so Jimmy Johnson finally breaks through in 2006 and becomes a champion. Uh, he wins five championships in a row. He wins until 2010. He wins. I mean, every to championship. the point where I lost interest. Yeah, like it. Like a lot of people hated Jimmy Johnson, um, but yeah, this was a big changing time in NASCAR because in and, 2008 yeah. we changed the car, and we put uh, we put a wing on the car. The car of tomorrow ex- yeah, was the car so of tomorrow. Dumb. But at this point, you know, when Jimmy's going off and he's winning all in a row, yeah. everybody hated Jeff Gordon. But then they were like. Okay, we want Jeff back because yeah, this sucks. Yeah, because now he's the lovable veteran. <laughs> right, yeah. And Jimmy's the young upstart. We li- Now Jeff is Dale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Jimmy is the most dominant that anyone had been since Richard Petty. Like, there was no question yes. Jimmy Johnson's the favorite all the time. Um, we changed the car to the car tomorrow, right. which is really the culmination of all the innovation for safety that they had been putting together after the death of Dale Earnhardt. Um, they had foam in the doors. They moved the driver away from the side of the, from the yeah. side of the car. But the problem is, basically, once you hit the car on a pebble, yeah, then it's done. Yeah. Then you're out of the race. If you hit, don't don't slide through the grass, or you're gonna destroy your engine. Yes, like, and so, and going from a Monte Carlo to an Impala. What a shame! Come what on, a, come on, guys. And that's just Chevy. Yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah, so they, they obviously put, we had some issues. They put some rectangles on the track and slapped some wings on them. Um, that unfortunately, every time the car went backwards, they'd flip over. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. some changes had to be made from the, the car of tomorrow did not last very long. Uh, I remember the first yeah. race. The first race was at Bristol. Yep. And we like, have what, like, young Kyle Bush <laughs> wins yeah. the race. Yeah. And the thing is, like over the years, which we'll I'm sure we'll talk about, the cars just got easier and easier and easier to drive. Right. That so uh, the the car tomorrow a lot it got it seemed like it got slower um yeah. and yeah they they just kind of be slot cars it would seem like so this this brought a big downturn to nascar's popularity um because the car just didn't um produce the same entertaining racing that they people were used to kyle bush uh one of the top drivers of today would get out of the car after winning the first race of the car tomorrow and he would just say these cars suck right and as outspoken as he is, that carries some weight. Like, <laughs> if, yeah. If a driver wins a race and the first thing on his mind is that was no fun. Yeah. Like, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, from that point on, really, the, the changes that came to the cars, I mean, they had drivers in there, like, testing them and stuff, mm-hmm. which is good. Yeah. Um, but they never really got it right. Yeah. Um, we hope that 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 will happen this year. Right, we have pr- the most radical change in the the cars themselves. That yes, we've ever which seen. Uh, which uh, first episode of this podcast we will talk about the new cars. Yes, we'll talk about a lot of new. There's yeah. a lot of new in the yeah. sport of NASCAR. Yeah, so keep an eye out. We have a lot of new shiny things to discuss. That's right. Um, but we're rushing into the future now. We're into yeah. we're into the 2010s. 2011, they changed the uh, the point system one more time. Um, so then every position is just worth one point. So it's way easier to score. Right. Um, and that year, Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart tie for the championship. Um, and the tiebreaker goes to Tony Stewart, who right. is now an owner driver. So the first owner driver to win since Alan Kowicki. Uh, Tony Stewart was a multi-sport athlete, I suppose, in the world of racing. He was a former IndyCar champion uh, and now a three-time uh, NASCAR champion. At this point, yeah. Yeah. Now, the the tie with Carl Edwards, was it, was it because Tony had won more races? Yes, that was the breaking. The, the breaking. So Because they were, they were tied in everything going into the race, right? Ex- yeah. But so it was Carl had only won one race and Tony had won four and right. then won his fifth gotcha. at the last race. Okay. So they right. finished one, two. So if, so, if, uh, so if Carl had won that race. He would be the champion. He would be the champion. Yep. But because Tony won, they tied in points, but Tony had four wins. Yeah. So, so yeah. He, okay. he had won zero races until the chase and then wins half of the races in the final 10 races. Oh, and man. So yeah, there was no touching him. Gotcha. Um. So I yeah. I remember watching that last race. That's one of the greatest NASCAR races of all time. Yes. Is the 2011 Ford 400. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, the two of them were neck and neck the whole time. Yeah. Mom, a big Carl Edwards person. Right. Grandpa, a big Tony Stewart person. Yeah. Huge. All hell breaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a great season. I like yeah. it. Paul yeah. Menard winning yeah. Brickyard 400. Yeah. And, you know, they, they did try to fix the point system. Yep. Um, and they kept it for a little while. And then they just... I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, yeah. oh we're getting I'm there. We're, we have one more... Th- so they changed the car one more time. 2013, we have the next generation of car... That looks a lot more stock than the cars that looked in a long, long time. But. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so easy to drive. Not yeah. as fast. Right. And just, 
and and we're still at the point where like if anything touches it it's it's right. broken yeah. yeah there's there's still work to do however it's it looks better visually yes. we got something yeah thank That's god the, yeah. the wing got out yes. like the wing was awful and the cars looked so skinny i hated it <laughs> sorry <laughs> we have some gripes yeah we we'll do. get over, we have so many gripes yeah yeah and we're going to complain about them all yeah we have, we have plenty of time so much time uh, in 2014, there's one more thing to complain about. We decide that, you know what, 12 guys in the chase, because we had expanded the chase uh, to 12 drivers. Yes. Uh, let's have more. Let's just let everybody do it. Yeah. So in 2014, we start the playoffs. So playoffs. So 16 drivers compete for the championship, and if you win a race in the season, you're in the playoffs. So you could win the first race and then finish 30th in the point standings, you're in the playoffs. Or... There could only be like 10 guys that win a race in a year mm-hmm. and six guys just get in. Yep. Just for being kind of good. Exactly. Uh, it's no fun and I hate it. Um, but that's what we live with now. Yeah. They've got to change it. Yeah. Something's got to happen. So they just eliminate drivers every week or every every couple weeks until we have four drivers in the last race and the best driver in that race wins the championship. So you could be nowhere near the best driver of the season, but if you're in the top four, you could just win the championship just by passing a guy. And like, we can rattle off every year since this yeah. that that has happened. Yep. Yep. It's very upsetting. Um, except this year, it kind of worked out. This year. The guy who should have won. God, it worked yeah. out. Because, oh, I would be very upset. Because Chase was there for a while. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Chase should not win this no, championship. No, absolutely not. As, <laughs> as a Chase guy. Yeah. He yeah, he did not deserve absolutely to win that not. one. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um. A couple years later, Jimmy Johnson wins his final championship in 2016. He would win his seventh title. So now we have three guys that have won seven titles, and now we only have one multi-time champion in the field now after his retirement with Kyle Busch. Right, yeah. Uh, he's the only guy that has won more than one championship yes. that races. Also, uh, Jeff retired yep. in 2015, Yep. Um, which was sad, but yeah, it was, it was time. Yeah, he won uh, his third-to-last race. Um, which was one of the greatest races I've ever seen. Uh, I cried. Uh, they announced when they announced his retirement. I immediately got a tattoo of his number, uh, which obviously I still have. Yep. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So worth mentioning, yes. Jeff Gordon, not driver now, yep. but uh, now uh, he is a he is a fixture, a still a fixture part, of the sport. Yeah, yeah. part owner at Hendrick. Mm-hmm. Basically, did does Rick Hendrick's old job. Yep. Like runs Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, he will eventually be the head of that team. Yes. So. He's still at the track every week. He's basically the head of the team. He yeah, did. he really, yeah. yeah. He is the head of the team. He's just... Yeah, it's not his yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2017, we introduced stages. So now we have, after, like, twice during a race, we throw out a caution and award points in the middle of the race. Right. Does that well, make any sense at all? No. Well, at first, I absolutely hated it. Uh-huh. But now I, I know why they did it is because sometimes these races get drawn out. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a race in Atlanta mm-hmm. that there wasn't a ca- like 300-something lap race, and there wasn't a caution right, or a stoppage yeah. until like 15 to go. Mm-hmm. It's it's to keep everybody's interest. That's fair. Yeah. So like, I get it. Uh, I, I, I do mm-hmm. miss the days when it was just go at it. Right. But I get it. Yeah, like it's a big it's is one of it's one more thing that NASCAR w- tried to do and is still doing uh, to chase after the fa- the person that isn't a fan of NASCAR yes. when they really should be focusing on the people that are already fans of NASCAR. Yes. Uh, yeah. Instead of chasing away the people that yeah the people that are here right like us 
but yeah. we're not going anywhere. <laughs> no, we're yeah, we're yeah, we're not going anywhere. And I do still hold out hope that the problem with the uh, playoff system, yeah, gets fixed, and they go back to doing it based on yeah. finishes all the way through the yeah, season. It's it's wishful because, thinking, but yeah, I mean it's not impossible. We didn't we didn't talk about this, but there was one year where Tony Stewart did not make the chase. Right. And he won like four or five of the ten races in the chase. Yeah. And would have won the championship. But yeah, he but was he, nowhere close. But yeah. he wasn't allowed mm-hmm. to be in the it, the final and like in two that the first year of it, Jamie McMurray barely missed the chase so he was 11th in points yeah but he would have been like he he had the best he had one of the best last 10 races of yeah. everybody him too he had only one run race at that point but he he would would have been in contention to win Absolutely. the championship so it takes away a lot of you're really preventing yourself from these naturally occurring story let things play out yeah because interesting things will happen just this last last year we came down to the end of the formula one season with the dry with Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton yeah. tied legitimately yeah. based on a full season championship and it created a very controversial uh, situation but it wasn't manufactured yeah it nat- occurred naturally yeah it was beautiful and and everybody was watching it yeah and it was fantastic I, I love Formula One now yeah it's so much fun yeah Formula Fun Formula Fun maybe maybe NASCAR <laughs> needs a needs a documentary on Netflix and then yeah, maybe will watch. Uh, but like a and not and maybe maybe they thought they saw Formula One put out Drive to Survive and they're like oh yeah Netflix show let's call him and Kevin James yeah let's put that thing <laughs> yeah on. oh my god that's the <laughs> it was the worst uh, piece of content I've ever considered I watched one episode just to see like it's a show about NASCAR it was absolute hot garbage it was not about NASCAR yeah, it yeah. was terrible yeah it made me sad yeah um, anyways yeah. In 2017, Dale Earnhardt Jr. retires. Um, a nice long career. Uh, two Daytona 500s, 26 uh, victories, um, but concussions uh, got to him. Yeah, and uh, he wanted to be yeah, with his family. He wants to be with his family. Uh, good on him. Uh, he is right now probably one of the biggest advocates for the sport that that NASCAR has. Um, he has a fantastic podcast. Um, he's in the booth for NBC for half of the season. Um, he is he's still carrying the flag for nascar yes. he is a huge asset even if he doesn't have to touch a car again no and he would he's still one of the most important people to the sport yes but he still does touch the cars which is awesome yes he does yeah and uh open he just inv- did yesterday yep. <laughs> yeah yeah and open invitation to dale jr if he ever wants to come on our podcast by all means yes yeah please dale uh you can sit right here on the couch um it's the you he actually you know what he can take this. This uh, this cushion's the good cushion. I'll let him have that. You know what? That's very nice. Of you. Yep. And we'll give him some. Uh, we'll give him some. Uh, we'll give uh, buds on us. Buds on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we've you know that that was five years ago. Um. We've we've been a little rocky since then in the world of NASCAR. Uh. One of the craziest thing that has happened wh- and is pretty crazy for all sports was the 2020 season, because I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but there's this thing going around. Yeah. Remember that pandemic that that we were that was supposed to take two weeks, and yeah. here we are two years later. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yes, the 2020 season was wild because so, it started. Yeah, it started with the one cra- like probably the scariest crash to happen since we lost Dale. Unbelievable. Yeah. The final lap of the of the Daytona 500 in 2020, uh, Ryan Newman and Ryan Blaney are battling for the win. 
Um, a situation occurred really where one zigged, one zagged, as you would say. They cross over each other. Very similar to yeah. Dale, you know, yeah, like just they were hooked. just racing. Yeah, they were. It was nobody. Nobody was. There was nothing intentional done. They were nope. just moving around the track, and they got into each other. Uh, Ryan Newman gets hooked into the outside wall, flies through the air, and then gets uh, essentially t- he's on his side and is t-boned in the air. Right on the roof of the car by Corey LaJoy. Yes. Uh, who and is then, racing to the checkered flag at 200 miles an hour. Right. And then comes to a stop and then somebody else hits him at like 160 miles so, an hour. Yeah. So the entire car buckles and he was hit on the roof of the car. Yeah. The car is completely mangled. It is the... You instantly... Like I, wa- I remember watching that race. I had the race on at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and... I had it on in the car on my way home. Not the radio. I had it. I was streaming the the race itself. Oh, well, these things happen. Yeah. Uh, And I get home during a red flag. I make, I see the finish of the race. um, And it was surreal. Like I remember so vividly watching that and just like, I knew like, like this isn't good. I I had it recorded Uh and my mom texted me. And was like, "Are you watching?" I said, "I have it recorded, uh-huh. uh, and I and I just started. I'm on like lap 30. Mm-hmm. She said, "No, you need to just go to the end." Yeah, I'm there's like, no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I did, and yeah, so they connect, but Denny Hamlin wins. Yeah, Denny Hamlin has no idea what's happening. Yeah, he he gets to celebrate um, his third Daytona 500 victory, um, but meanwhile, we're all thinking about Ryan Newman. Jeff Gordon is literally in tears in the booth. Like it's it was like. This is like a, a from a movie. Like you see, like yeah. crashes in a movie. Like because the the crash that killed Dale uh, again was you didn't instantly know. No. Like this one, I would like, and again, even being des- desensitized and seeing spectacular crashes over the years, I'd see you know Carl Edwards flipping into the catch fence. Yeah. Michael McDowell hitting, crashing at Texas. Austin like, Dillon at uh, uh, yeah. Going remember, we ca- thought yeah. he died in that yes, one. Too. Yeah, that one was really bad too. But he got out immediately. But. Newman, st- no, he didn't move. Yeah. Newman didn't move. Um, they put up white sheets. Yeah, which is never a good sign. And they were taking him out of the car. So I'm just refreshing Twitter at this point. So I All spent, of us yeah, are. like her hours. Yeah. And then it's like, he's responsive at the hospital. It's like, oh my God. Like, and then not 24 hours later, he's walking out yeah, of the hospital walking, with his daughter. Like he's walking. And again, I cannot express enough that his car was in the air and was jackhammered in the roof by a car yeah. moving at full speed yes and then flew through the air again and then still had to land right like you that like that should you should be crushed and like that's something else that, 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 that um we'll never see ever but allegedly the helmet from that crash yeah. is insane yeah um apparently i don't believe the helmet well the helmet saved his life obviously right but i don't believe that the helmet stayed intact it'll um, probably never be used again um, it's still, or, right yeah i believe he i believe ryan has possession of it but yeah that's another piece of nascar history that sits around somewhere yeah uh, really i mean yeah he was inches from we almost lost another driver there definitely should yeah. have but and but i mean because the changes were made after dale yeah. died there was a lot of things that saved his life that we didn't have a long time ago um, and from this, from this crash with new, like there are things that are done with the car that the new car that we're racing this year that are inspired by that, that'll right. keep them, that keep drivers safe and hopefully more things to keep 
the cars on the ground. Yes. Because it's hard to control a car when you're flying through the air. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and wings. Bring the wing back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So, yeah. that happened. That was the Daytona 500. Like, two more races. And then, then COVID somebody, somebody eats a bat. And then somebody ate a bat. So, every the teams get to Atlanta, and then they're like, you know what? Go home. So, yeah. we're not racing this weekend. Yeah. This, is, this doesn't happen. So, it happened no. after 9-11, and they rescheduled the race. But we go until May. And we're not racing, so. But yeah. we're not racing. But we're racing on the internet. That's right. A bunch of drivers came together on iRacing, and they started televising video game races with real drivers. It's it's a simulator. It's a simulator. <laughs> and, I mean, it's it was so not much just a game. It was fun to watch. Oh yeah, it, it was, was electric TV yeah. because at this point we're not watching anything. Yeah, because nothing. Nothing's happening. happening. Um, it's, we, we had Tiger King and then once that's over, what do we have left? What do you got left? Yeah. What do you have left? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just guys having fun. You know, they all have a camera in their house yeah. and they're just racing on their, and these ridiculous uh, rigs. Oh my God. These ridiculous sim rigs. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, they're just having a lot of fun. Yeah. Everybody's hooting and hollering. Yeah. And it was great. Loved it. Um, but then, you know, they did come back and they did, I mean, it was a weird schedule. Yeah. They would race like two or three times a week at the yep. same track yep. between uh, Darlington, mm-hmm. um, Daytona, uh, Charlotte. Yeah, they 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 really had to pack it into the states that uh, weren't as strict. Right. At yeah. The begin- so yeah. yeah, we weren't going to California or no. New York. Yeah, no, we were no, 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 racing no. a lot in the Carolinas. Um, yeah. But yeah, from that we got a lot of weird stuff. We got our first race at the road course at Daytona. Yeah. We we got a lot of. Um, we got a lot of races at Darlington, which is a really fun track. Um, it it kind of showed it kind of showed NASCAR that was like, hey, you know, we can change some stuff. Yeah, because in like, our in our regular season mm-hmm. to make it more appealing to fans, because they did the they did the Roval, which yep. was planned already. Right. They didn't plan the Daytona Road Course, right. and they did that, and they were like, okay, this worked. Mm-hmm. Let's go try. Circuit of the Americas right. in Texas. Let's then, yeah. try uh, the Road America. Mm-hmm. Like, let's try these different places and see what happens. And fans love it. So, yeah, the after 2020, because we just raced a lot through, the like, a lot of times during a single week until we eventually caught up. And then they were able Which to finish. Wednesday, Thursday night races, yeah. electric. I love more. that. I lo- more. That more, was more. so much fun. Yeah. Um, but we came out of that. They completed the entire. They completed every single race. In all of the national touring series, uh, they were the first sport to come back, uh, and they did a great. Uh, I I enjoy. I loved that season. Like yeah. I was glad I we had our entertainment. Like yeah. in spite of everything that happened, it was we awesome. had a, just an electric season. Yeah, it was awesome. And then we come into twenty twenty one with the biggest changes that they had ever made schedule wise. We had so many new tracks. They raced the road course at Indianapolis. They raced Circuit of the Americas, Road America. Um, Let's see. Where else did we go? I Nashville. Mean they, they, they Nashville, went, Nashville um, is back. Yeah. They did the road course at Daytona again, which yep. is something that they were against for a long time. Right. Yeah. The, just so many weird things that they changed. Um, but yeah, it was just a, such a fun season to see all these tracks that yeah. we hadn't been to before. Yeah. And uh, that brings us to today, to January of 2022. Now we're, that we have talked about everything that's ever happened. Yeah. We're <laughs> I mean, yeah, we have a new car. Yep. Uh, a new schedule. Yep. This is our. This is the most excited about a NASCAR season that I've been. Same. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like I'm so. We have 
I'm so excited to watch every like watch every practice session, every qualifying session, every race. Yeah, because there's going to be something interesting happening, and there's so many unknown. Like I don't know what to expect, except it's going to be a lot of fun. And I like fun. Yeah, me too. And here's what you can expect: is this podcast? Yes. So we will be here every step of the way. That's right. So we have this tutorial that you just listened to. Uh, we have another tutorial on basically where where the series is now. Yep. And then we're going to get into what the show is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. There's going to be an episode kind of just recapping the off season. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get into like the clash and Daytona and the, and just the, what it's really going to be. So um, this was a very long and drawn out episode, but you know, it, what, what this, I mean, this was supposed to be an hour a week for like 60 or 70 years. So yeah. I think we did a, you know, yeah. so you're all welcome. Yeah. That would be a lot of content to consume. Yes. Uh, so if you did make it through this complete episode, well done. Yeah. Pat much appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Pat yourself on the back. There's one more long episode, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of getting you up to speed, but this stuff is going <laughs> to help you. Uh, it's going to help, uh, understand what we're talking about. And, uh, yeah, I think we did it. Yeah. This and you, was great. You know what? So, you know what the only thing left to do is what we got to do that NASCAR. We have to do the NASCAR. Um, so that's it for this tutorial. Uh, please continue on to tutorial two. Flip the disc over. Flip the disc over. And then uh, probably a week or so after you listen to this disc, there mm-hmm. will be a new disc. Yep. So go NASCAR.